Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Firstborn Ministries. We'd like to invite you to stand and sing and worship with us this morning.
happened in the past, but I've seen it happen in my lifetime. Anything that you need done in your life or someone in your family's life, God is still here. He can still do the miracle. We're asking our ushers to come at this time.
this morning is because just a couple of weeks ago there was another new name written down in glory brother Ron Oldhoff was baptized in Jesus name come on up brother Ron get your baptismal certificate congratulations went down in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 Oh, yes. Amen. And this past Thursday, at about 3.30 in the afternoon, we had another young man get baptized in Jesus' name right here on Thursday afternoon with his fiance and their kids present here. And we are so thankful that Kyle got baptized on Thursday in Jesus' name. I think that's five or six weeks in a row now that someone's been baptized in Jesus' name. Revival is in the atmosphere at Firstborn Ministries. There's a shifting in the atmosphere in this place. I feel it. I feel it. Oh, I sit by and by when the morning comes. When all the saints of God gather in hope, when we will tell the story of how we overcome, and, and we'll understand it better by and by. Oh, say it again, say it by. by and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God gather in hope, and we will tell the story of how we overcome.
Now let's give them another praise in the room here this morning. watching this this little boy this young man up here marching around feeling the Holy Ghost on his life that's what's happening he feels the spirit and all of a sudden he starts throwing his dinosaurs senior pastor looked at me and said even the dinosaurs are in the spirit this morning amen <laughs> amen I am so thankful for the spirit of God that we feel in this room this morning yes so good to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord here this morning. Welcome to Firstborn Ministries, where we are taking Jesus as he is, to people as they are. To all of our guests, welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us. Can we give all of our guests a hand? We hope you have felt welcome this morning. I pray that you have felt the spirit as it has moved in this house. Amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Great job, praise team. Wonderful job. Amen. Leading us into worship and praise. Amen. What a great crowd here this morning. Amen. God bless you for coming out this morning. Great crowd. Amen. Amen. Senior pastor just got out of a series of lessons that concluded last week with the lion must roar again, and uh, I felt to stay in that same vein here this morning, and I felt like it was been confirmed with our praises to the Lord here this morning. I believe, about as I said just a few moments ago, that we are coming into a time of revival that we can see with our own two eyes. Now, I believe that's right, Amen. I believe backsliders are going to come back home. Sinners come to salvation. There's going to be growth in all areas of this church. And I, I can feel, even this morning, a changing of tides around here at Firstborn. There's a lifting, that's right. I mean, it, it's scriptural. It says that when you put on the garments of praise, we do it because of what? Our heaviness, the spirit of heaviness. And when you begin to praise, that spirit of heaviness starts to lift off of you. That is what is happening. I know many of you have felt that. I know it's been demonstrated here in the last few weeks by baptisms, Holy Ghost and feelings, and many more. There's something I want to talk to you about this morning, about raising your voice. There's something about lifting the decibel levels in your situation. Decibel levels are how you track how loud something is. Anything above 90 decibels for an extended period of time can bring damage to your hearing. As I researched decibels, there was something interesting that I found. If you want to raise the decibel level by three, it takes double the power. You go from, let's just say, 100 watts to 200 watts. To, to raise the decibel level just by three points. Humans, we can scream or shout 
around 100 decibels, which is very loud. That is equivalent to a jet taking off, a jackhammer, or a farm tractor. You know, we have all in this room have been scared at some point. Maybe it's when someone comes up behind us, we says boo, and we usually say ah! I'm not one who enjoys getting scared. There are some, of some people that love to be scared, so much so they pay money to get scared. I'm, I'm not into that. I'm not saying this is right, but some of y'all will go and pay money to go into a haunted house just to be scared. Six Flags Parks make all kinds of money with Fright Fest. People actually pay money to go into the park, not to ride the rides, but to get scared. I don't understand it. Scary movies, TV shows, all kinds of ways to be scared. Whenever I was a teenager, uh, there was a thing called the Rockford Masters Commission. It was, it was done by the Assemblies of God, and it was a Christian group that put on real-life haunted houses. And it was called the House of Horrors. There are probably some in this room my age that remembers those House of Horrors. You would wait two or three hours to get into it. And they, what they did was they took real-life scenes in life. You would walk through all of these scenes, and you would end up going through the death of Jesus. They would talk to you about being saved. There are no ghosts or witches, no goblins, but there were a few demons that were in that place. They had a hell scene that was incredibly scary. I mean, you, it, was, it was crazy scary. There was a clock room where the clocks just ran and ran and ran and ran. And that was eternity. And after you left the hell scene, you went into the clock room. And it showed you that you're there forever and ever and ever and ever. There were scenes of an abortion scene, drug usage, a graveyard, a bar scene, abuse scene. It was scary. It was real life. And many left there not wanting to participate in what was being shown that day. One, one time it was at the old Logley, which is now the Goodwill, down the street here off of Harlem and North 2nd. Another time it was at the Boone County Fairgrounds. And I screamed a few times whenever I was in there. And it was enough for me to understand that I don't ever want to go to a what the world would call a haunted house. But there is something about roaring and raising your voice that enemies understand and begin to run for cover. As I was preparing this message and thinking about that real-life haunted house that I went through, in those exact moments, a couple of different times this past week, ice came crashing down off the roof near my office and made a loud bang, and I might have jumped. I know Sister McKay screamed because I heard her. I said, Lord, you are really putting this into real, aren't you? I might be crazy, but I think God was confirming his word to me. The message that I would bring here this morning. The book of Psalms 33 and verse 3 in the New King James Version, it says this, Sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalm 98 and 4 in the New King James Version, it says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Of course, in Joshua chapter 6, we find the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho and passing around them six times on the seventh day. They passed around them seven times and Joshua instructed them to shout for God had given them the victory and the walls would fall flat. Margaret Sangster Fippen wrote that in mid-1950s her father, British minister W.E. Sangster, 
begin to notice some uneasiness in his throat and a dragging in his leg. When he went to the doctor, he found that he had an incurable disease that called progress that was caused it caused progressive muscular atrophy. His muscles would gradually waste away, his voice would fail, his throat would soon become unable to swallow. Sangster threw himself into the work into his work for his British home missions, figuring he could still write and he would have even more time for prayer. He said this, let me stay in the struggle, Lord, he pleaded. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but give me just a regiment to lead. He wrote articles and books and helped organize prayer cells throughout all of England. He said, I'm only in the kindergarten of suffering. He told, pity, he told people that pitied him. Gradually, Sangster's legs became useless. His voice went completely but he could still hold a pen shakily on that Easter morning, that year of his death. As he put that pen to paper just a few weeks before he would die, in a shaking hand, he wrote a letter to his daughter. And in it, he said this. It's terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, He is risen! He said, it's terrible. He went on to say this though, but it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout it at all. Wow. There are times when being loud isn't something that you want to do. When you're in the stands at the golf tournament, for an example, you probably don't want to yell real loud when they hit off of that tee. I golfed for one summer of my life. Yes, just one summer. I hated every second of it. I really didn't like it. I, I tried. I really tried because a preacher is supposed to like golf, you know. I don't like golf. I don't like fried chicken. I don't know why I'm a preacher up here. I just don't. I mean, I, 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 let me tell you how bad it was. Number one, it messed up my softball swing really, really bad. I've never got it back. People don't, don't believe me that I used to hit home runs and all kinds of stuff. But I almost lost my salvation a few times on that golf course. I was in one group <laughs> with one gentleman, will remain unnamed. He would get so upset if you even breathed when he was at the tee. I mean, he would be quiet. I'm concentrating. So senior pastor was there, and I was there, and we started, he's our friend, and we, we started to do stuff on purpose while he was at the tee just to mess with him. <laughs> he didn't go golfing with us anymore. You don't want to yell at the golf course. Well, I yelled a lot. Let me, let me bring that back. I yelled a lot, but it was, I yelled, four, because I just hit the ball right down the fairway. The only problem, it was the whole next to me fairway. I was really good at that. You don't yell when your wife just got the baby to stop fussing and go to sleep. It's not the time. However, there are other times that you can be loud. And it's not only acceptable, it's expected. Like when the Cubs hit a walk-off home run against the Cardinals. That's the time to yell. When a bride and groom are introduced to the public for the very first time, that's the time to yell. 
or in a Pentecostal service. Let me just give you a, it's okay to yell in here, okay? It's okay. You're not going to, I love it when kids scream and yell, even during my message. It gives me confidence that I'm doing a good job. <laughs> they don't bother me. I mean, there are times, I'm getting somewhere here this morning, all right? There are times in life when we must, it's not, again, only acceptable, but we must live life loudly. As one person put it, living out loud means having the courage to be exactly who you are without an apology. This world wants to apologize about everything. They want us to apologize about everything. I'm not ready to apologize for what I believe in. There is no apology needed. Because the truth is the truth no matter how you slice it. When a church lives its life out loud, people begin to notice. No one wants to go to a dead, dry church. Or at least... I don't think anyone in this room wants to go to a dead. I don't want to go to a dead, dry church going through the motions and traditions. I'm not saying anything wrong against any other church, but in this church, it is a loud church and a noisy church. <laughs> no one wants to go to a church that has no water of life running through it. No one wants to go to a church and sit down and not feel a thing. That's why I think it's so important to, as many times as we can, share senior pastor's dream about water running down the walls and, and water spots on the ceiling and water running through the church and it's ankle deep and he's apologizing and the district super, or the national superintendent at that time said, what are you apologizing for? This is all right. I want there to be water spots in the church. I want there to be more than water spots in the church because that is a has-been. But I want them to be still flowing with water out of the... I want it to be flowing with water out of those spots, but I want there to be some new spots of water starting to flow. You say, Pastor, how does that happen? It starts when someone goes to their seat and begins to live life out loud and begin to praise God and worship Him out loud and begins to shout with a voice of triumph. There's a water spot that you leave in that place. Oh, yes. What is the first thing someone does when someone drops something or a loud noise happens? Everybody looks in the direction where the noise is coming from. It's human nature. At the Illinois District Campground, this might seem like a terrible tradition. It might be. <laughs> Not here to judge. But whenever someone drops a tray, <laughs> it happens in some high schools and middle schools as well. But when someone drops a tray of food, everyone looks, and the least that they do is they start clapping for them. Sometimes everyone will stand and look at that person and clap. Whenever I was a young man before about seven, eight years old, the, my, my 
parents would work at the Illinois District Campground all year, all summer. And so I had to find a job to do once I got to an age where I could do a job. And the first job that was acceptable and acceptable for someone who is seven, eight years old was to pick up trays in the cafeteria. And so I would go and pick up trays, and it was a race between me and my friends, Brother Steve, to see who could pick up the tray first. And in the midst of the race, sometimes I would lose my balance, and I would fall, and those trays would go everywhere. So I have been on the receiving part of all the claps and cheers of all those young people that were in the room. We see it time and time again in the scriptures of people living their life out loud and lifting up a shout. A group of friends took their friend who was paralyzed in the most unconventional way to meet Jesus. There were so many people in the house that day that they climbed up to the roof. They tore open the roof and lowered the man to Jesus' feet. But before they even made the decision that they were going to bring their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus, the way they knew that Jesus was in town and what house he was in was because of the noise that was coming from the home. You say, what do you mean? Well, it says in Mark 2 and 1, it says, and again he entered in Capernaum and after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. It was noise that Jesus was in the house. Some commentators believe that Jesus was there for many days before those men brought that man, that paralytic man, to the feet of Jesus. But somewhere along the line, their friends talked to their friends and their friends talked to their friends and I finally got to the friends of the paralyzed man and said, you need to get to this house because Jesus is there. It doesn't happen any different in this day and age. It's when you talk to your friends and they talk to their friends that Jesus is in the house at firstborn where we see sinners come to know God. See, when Jesus shows up and begins to heal and deliver, it doesn't take long before the noise that is in that building gets out of that building to the surrounding community that something different is going on in that place. I have come to preach this morning and create some noise in the house today. Because when the Pentecostals start to get loud and they start to shout, then the atmosphere of an entire community of people can change and shift. Firstborn, like we've been doing here today already, it's time to open up our mouths and shout again at Love's Park in the greater Rockford land area. We see on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost first fell, there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. The sound of a rushing wind, it says, filled the place and they began to speak in a new tongue and then something else interesting started to happen when they left that upper room. It said the noise and the shouts that started in the upper room, it didn't end in the upper room, but they left that noisy place and they kept the noise going out on the streets because it says in Acts 2 and 6, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. (laughs) 
and they were confounded. They might not under, you know, people when they walk in these doors of this church, sometimes they're confused, they're scared, and they don't know what's going on. But somewhere along being confused and somewhere along being scared of a preacher yelling and turning red and screaming up at the pulpit, the Holy Ghost hits them and they begin to listen and God begins to speak directly to their problem and situation. Why? It's because someone said, I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to shout. Isn't it amazing that what the Holy Spirit, how it affects one person in this room, it might not affect another person the same way. Why? Because the Holy Ghost speaks to everyone individually. It speaks to everyone personally. It speaks to everyone in your own way and in your own level. No matter where you're at as a Christian or a non-Christian, the Holy Ghost can speak in all different kinds of ways. And I'm so thankful that it was even demonstrated on that day. I believe why they were all in their own language. Yes, it was because they needed a reach the world but it also demonstrated something else that God can come to every creature and every person and every language it don't matter if you speak Spanish or you speak French when someone begins to shout God will give the interpretation we might not have anyone here who speaks a lick of Spanish but I've seen it before when tongues of interpretation come someone else lifts up their voice and they begin to speak perfectly Perfect Spanish. And it's only for one person that's in the room that day. I'm telling you, when someone just lifts up their voice and begins to shout, things start to change. Atmospheres start to change. And the Holy Ghost starts to move. See, you can't receive the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, without making noise. I've never seen it. I've never seen someone close their mouth, not open it, and receive the Spirit. Because the Spirit, how we know it's coming inside of you, is manifested through opening your mouth, raising your voice to whatever decibel. It could be soft, it could be loud. Don't matter how loud or how soft, but it's raising your voice, opening your mouth, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit forming words in your mouth and through your own tongue that you will not understand. That's how you know that you have received the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I'm reserved. I don't even like to talk. I have seen the most reserved people. When the Holy Ghost hit, hits them, something changes, and that person that once was reserved and barely even said a word begins to shout and dance and cry out but when they get yet when they get out of service they go back to that shy individual that they've been brother David K. Bernard our general superintendent to be honest with you he doesn't talk a whole lot if you're one on one with him he doesn't say a whole lot he's a very a very really a shy person but yet I've seen that same man, smart as smart could be, intellectual, dance across the platform 
at General Conference, and when he began to dance across the platform, that place became unloosed and unhinged. Because the man they see as dignified and hardly says a word when the Holy Ghost hits him, he begins to act out in ways that he wouldn't act out before. I don't want to do all those things. Why don't you just try it? Just try it one time. It don't have to be in this church. It could be at your home. Why don't you just let the Holy Ghost loose in your home and you do what God tells you to do. You dance and shout, roll on the floor. I saw Brother Victor Jackson. He's coming to preach here in a few weeks. I watched him as he got done preaching. And, and one of the elders got up there and said, I, I remember when we used to see people rolling in the floors in, in the Holy Ghost. And, and Brother Victor Jackson, he might not have felt it. But he said, I'm going to obey what my elder is saying. He got down in the floor with his suit on, on that dirty car. And he began rolling around. And all of a sudden, what was rolling around in the physical, the Spirit of God hit him. And he began to shout and dance. And his rolling became just kind of gyration. Why? Because sometimes when you start in the flesh, it changes over to the Spirit. And what you don't feel like doing at one moment, God will come through and hit you just if you will shout unto God. I want this church to be known as a noisy church. I'm sorry if this is your first time here. You probably think I'm crazy up here. That's all right. Hang with me. God's getting ready to fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. God's getting ready to deliver you this morning. You thought you were just trying out this church because it was the next church on your list. But God has a divine appointment for you this morning. I don't know who I'm talking to here this morning, but I feel like God has a divine appointment for someone in this room. And if you will just raise your voice, and if you will just shout unto God with a voice of triumph, something will start to change in your life and in the atmosphere of your family. Amen, amen. Hang with me just for another moment here. There were some shouters in the Bible. I can't go through all of them here this morning. But here are a few. The demon-possessed man named Legion. He lived among the tombs. The people in the town bound him with chains and fetters. Only to break them. Run again. So they put him in the graveyard because they looked at this man as good as dead. They had no hope for this man. They didn't want him in their town. They didn't want his kind in their town. Nobody wanted him except for Jesus. My God, I hope this is a church, and I know it is, but I want myself, first of all, and I want this church 
to look at the people that's been rejected by the world and they've been chewed up and they've been spit out and they look look all kinds of sorts of ways. I want me to be the first one to welcome them into this church and say, I know everybody else has left you. I know everybody else has left you out to die. But there's one man whose name is Jesus that is still looking for you this morning. So here's this man, Legion. And there Jesus comes off of that boat that day. And this man begins to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And you know what? Even more than that, the devils that were inside of this man begin to shout. You know why? Because even the devils when Jesus comes in, has to recognize that the Almighty has come into the room. And so the devils recognize that the only person that could cast them out, the only person that had all authority in heaven and in earth, had stepped in front of the man that they had been tormenting for so long. And as that man began to shout, so did the devils, saying, oh, please, please don't cast us into the abyss. Please, please, please do this, do this, do that. I'm telling you, even if you've come in this place here, tonight or this morning and you believe that you have a devil possession the devil has to bow down to the name of Jesus in this room there is no devil that can stand up against the shouts of a man or a woman in this place if you want to be relieved of your possession that you have inside of you today is your day the time has come the devils that are inside of you can be cast out with one word and that word is Jesus this man had suicidal tendencies he had suicidal thoughts I believe that he tried to commit suicide because it said that he had cut himself Some people cut themselves because they want to feel the pain. They have so much pain inside of them. They cut themselves to try to release that pain that's inside of them. I've talked to many people who've cut themselves and and who've hurt themselves. And sometimes along with that cutting, they have suicidal thoughts that come to their life, come to their mind. And you know what Jesus wants to do for you in this room? He wants to say, I've seen the cuts inside your heart that no one can see, but I can also see the cuts that are on the outside. And I'm telling you that you can be delivered from those suicidal thoughts if you just Shout to the right person in your life this morning. You say, why did they have su- why did he have suicidal thoughts? Because when Jesus cast out those devils, they went into a group of pigs. And the first thing those pigs did is they ran off the cliff and they killed themselves because of the devils that came inside of them. This man had suicidal thoughts if those pigs had committed suicide that day. 
people with those thoughts have so many voices shouting at them and saying why they are not worth living. It's time to shout back this morning. It's time to stop listening to the voices in your head and to say, I know I got issues and problems, but I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not going down without shouting back this morning. I'm not going down without raising a decibel level in my life. And maybe that's all it takes here this morning is you just fighting back a little bit. You just shouting back a little bit and saying, devil, suicidal thoughts, be gone in the name of Jesus. I claim peace on my life. I claim joy in my life. I bring back the peace of God in my heart. so sick of the devil trying to tell this congregation who they are and who they can't be and who they can be get out of here devil you have no right to be in the lives of the men and women here at firstborn you have no right to be speaking into their life I pray that the protection of Jesus I pray the angels of God would come and surround you I pray the angels of God would surround your family Feel something here. Some of you in this room here this morning, you need to stop letting Hollywood tell you who you are. You were doing good until you put that show on. You were doing all right till you put that movie on Netflix. You're saying, oh, everything we watch is wrong. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You're misreading me here this morning. But there are some things and tendencies that you have that you were brought to and you will go back to because of the way it makes you feel for a moment. But at the end of the moment, you're looking for the next episode. You're looking for the next season. You're looking for the next fix to cleanse and to heal the brokenness that is inside of your life. You will never find a twilight to fix the problems. You will never find a WandaVision that will fix your suicidal thoughts. You will never find a Disney Plus that will play all kinds of animated movies that will help calm your soul. There's not a show on Netflix. There's not a show on CBS All Access. There's not a show on TV, on HBO, on Showtime that will ever cleanse your thoughts and your mind you're letting the wrong voices shout to you in your life you're letting the wrong voices shout they're shouting shouting one day you got to make up your mind God going to let the voices shout any longer I'm going to Jesus 
going to Jesus. Another, well, there's so many illustrations, so many ways. People who shouted. <clears throat> Another we find in the New Testament, the book of Mark, 10th chapter. We find that they reached Jericho. Jesus and his disciples left town and a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But it wasn't in this voice, I don't believe sharing with it for you today it was a loud voice with many decibels and the people around him tried to make him be quiet he shouted only louder son of David have mercy on me there are people in your own family that will try to stop the shout Jesus in your life. I hate to say that. There will be people in your life that once were on fire for God. And somewhere they lost the passion for God in their life. And they also lost their shout. Those people that you thought were living for God so great will now come back to you and say, it's time for you to stop your shouting as well. Many will try to shut you down and shut you out. But I think there are some folks in this room here this morning that has one shout. Left in you. you have one more shout. desperate this morning feel like you can't even clap your hands or raise your hands but I feel like in this room there's one more shout close we get to our opening scripture we find told them one time for six days around those walls. Got to understand though, by that seventh day, they had to march seven times around. I, I bet they were tired. They were wore down. They were wore out. They heard through those seven days 
people on the inside of those fortified walls in that fortified kingdom criticizing you, talking bad about you. I guarantee they were looking at them and laughing at them. They might have even been spitting on them from the top of those walls as they were having chariot races. But those people kept marching. That seventh time when their feet were hurting them, they heard every word in the book bad about them. They heard the jeers and the laughter, the pain they endured with people. Saying, you can't tear down these walls. But through the mental pain, the emotional pain, and the physical pain, all it took was one shout. All it took was them to have to muster up one more shout. They simply shouted and the walls came tumbling down. It was just a shout. That is all it took. They came to the right moment, the right day, and the right time. And all it took was one shout and kaboom, the walls came tumbling down. It was God's way of gaining victory and saying, I still occupy the praises of my people. Perhaps the walls of defiant and indifference in Christ are so strong against some of you today because it's lost the battle of shout. God's power is not diminished. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we, His people, would just make up in our mind that we will roar and we will shout and God will give the victory. It's not in our calisthenics of praising the Lord. It's not in our calisthenics of running around the building and rolling on the floor, even though I believe in all of those things. But it's in the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the name of Jesus. If you don't care for vigorous praise, you might feel a little uncomfortable in heaven because, oh, what a shouting there will be. It says in Revelation 4 and 5, we will hear them singing, worthy is the Lamb. We will hear the cries of praise from the redeemed. Ask John how many he saw shouting and singing and praising the Lamb of God that day. His answer is this, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. My goodness. There's no noise-canceling headphones in heaven heavenly walls will shake with the sound of praise. The gates of pearl will tremble on their hinges. The streets of gold will shine with joy. Because we've made it. The difference is we will not be exhausted. We will be able to shout thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. And that's just the beginning. 
you know Jesus is not afraid to shout for you? He's shouting for you right now. I look into the faces of men and women and I see God is dealing with you. He's pulling on your heart today. I see it in your face. Jesus will shout for you. Ask Lazarus. His family thought he was too late. But he was right on time. He wasn't too early. He wasn't too late. He was right on time. And Jesus that day didn't say, Lazarus, come on out. Uh-uh, I don't believe that. He could have. Lazarus would have come stumbling out of that place. Oh, no, but Jesus had compassion and love in his eyes as he said, roll away that tomb or roll away that, that stone. As he looked in the grave of his friend, as Carmen could put it. As Lazarus was in heaven with the great cloud of witnesses and testimony servants. He said, I can almost, guys, I can almost, you know what I love most of all is hearing when he calls my name. That's what Carmen said. He said, I, I can almost hear him saying it now, Lazarus. 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 Jesus. Lazarus. Yes, I'm a Carmen fan. But no, Jesus stood at that grave and said, Lazarus! Lazarus, come forth! As Carmen puts it, I command you, come forth. Jesus doesn't mind yelling. He doesn't mind shouting whenever it comes to the right thing in the right time, in the right place. And I believe Jesus is looking over the banister of heaven here this morning. And he's looking down on firstborn. And he's looking at many of you here this morning. And he's saying, hey, hey, come forth. Come out of that. Come out of those suicidal thoughts. Come out of that drug addiction. Come out of that perversion. Come out. Come out. Come out of that grave that you've been held up in for so long. No one else has put the grave clothes on you. You put the grave clothes on yourself. You said, I'm done. And you started wrapping yourself for your death. Jesus is looking over the banister and saying, you better take those clothes off. And I got a new set of clothes for you. I have a brand new robe and it's white as snow. It's beautiful. It will clothe you. It will cover everything from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. No one will ever know the person that you once were. No one will ever see who you once was. Yeah, they might remember, but no longer will you be that. No longer will you be in grave clothes. No longer will you be the blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Take off that coat. That's not who you are. What it takes is one more shout. Jesus wants to do it for you 
but you got to open up your mouth and you got to begin to shout unto God say God I'm sick and tired of living this way God I'm sick and tired of living this way these altars are open here oh God we there's someone that needs to come to these altars here you need to put your face at these altars and you need to cry out to God once again and say God I'm tired of living this life God I'm tired and this might just be your moment right here don't be afraid don't be scared to come up here don't be afraid come on that's it young person come on that's it come up here God wants to meet your cry all it's going to take is one more shout all it's going to take is one more shout in this room. God's going to get ready to deliver. God is in the delivering business here this morning. God is in the God's in the drug addiction program. His program is once you have him, you don't need drugs any longer. His program works a little different than AA. You're not once an alcoholic and always an alcoholic. No. When Jesus gets done with you, you have never been an alcoholic in his eyes. I know there's more in this place. I know there's more. You, there, I'm telling you, there are many people in this room that you have had suicidal thoughts even this past week. I know I've come back to this a few times, but God wants to deliver you from those. It's a generational curse that's on your life. It's a generational curse that has been with your mama. It's been with your daddy. It's been with your grandparents. And someone needs to stop this generational curse. Someone needs to stop it dead in its tracks right here and right now. And you are the person that can stop this generational curse in your life. Your kids don't have to deal with it. If you stop the curse this morning, how do you stop it? It's with shouting. And that's it, the Holy Ghost, the Holy God. Everyone in this room, lift up your voice. Everyone in this room, even if you don't need anything from God today, lift up your voice for someone else. Lift up your voice and let the Holy Ghost start to move from the front to the back, from the front to the back, in the middle and side to side. God is delivering some folks here this morning. If you're at your seat, start to cry out to God. If you're at your seat, start crying out. If you're embarrassed, don't be embarrassed. But if you are, if you want to stay at your seat, I'm not condemning you. You right there begin to open up your mouth and begin to cry out to God because God wants to deliver deliver you. All it takes is one more shout.
Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. That's it. Come on, young lady. That's it. God is for you this morning. He's speaking to you this morning. He's speaking to you. I know this is weird. I know this is different for some of you in this room. You've never experienced what you're feeling right now. Never experienced what you felt in this message and in this praise service. It's the Lord. It's God trying to invade your life. But He's a gentleman. He won't unless you let Him. He's a gentleman. He won't unless you let Him. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Oh, God is doing a work right now. That's it. Yes, cry out to God. He hears your cry. He hears your cry. You might have never ever prayed before. I still feel there's a couple of people that God is pulling. It's still heavy on my heart. There's a couple of people that God wants you just to open up your heart. Oh, if I could do anything, I could say anything. Something about the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name. 
I loved you so much. God loves you so much. something about that name. Oh, Jesus. 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 There's just something a fragrance after the Oh, there's some. 